what kind of a person follows Jesus? What are they like? People have this idea that when you're a Christian, you are trying really hard to be nice. And I thought about what is nice? Nice is like magnolia wall paint. Does everybody know what magnolia is? That's the stuff that every landlord paints the houses or the rooms that they let. That's the color, magnolia. You know why? It's polite and mellow and bland and it's chill and it's harmless and you don't even notice it. And that's what people think following Jesus is like. You're trying to be like magnolia wall paint. But if you follow Jesus, you are not trying to be a nice person. You are becoming like him. You live with the life of God. And you love your enemies because that's what God does. God has the power to love people who despise him. Christianity is radical and it is absolute. Either you love absolutely everybody like God or else you're a sinner. Everybody excited about this one? All right. I'm in Luke chapter 6 and I'm reading from verse 27. It says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, don't ask for them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend hoping for nothing in return. 
and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Yeah, I wish I could record that. (laughs) Because this is staggering, is it not? Jesus commands his disciples to love absolutely, just like God. Now, this is continuing in Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. It's a different occasion from the Sermon on the Mount. And he's really connecting with his disciples, the ones that follow him around. And he's especially talking to the 12 he just picked to be his apostles. And what he's doing in this sermon is that he's sifting people's hearts. And he's letting them know who they are. This is what I'm about. This is the kind of person I am. And what we've already seen is that a true disciple listens to Jesus. He listens to Jesus and he suffers with him. And the suffering begins right here. That's why you were laughing. Love your enemies like God loves his enemies. Now, you're going to have enemies. Here you are, you're trying to do what's good, and somebody's going to take offense and be your enemy. Is that crazy? Somebody's not going to like it. So these are the ones who rebel against God, who is absolute, divine, eternal love. Now that's outrageous. There's something not right in rebelling against love. It's kind of like that psalm where it says, Too long my soul has dwelt with those who hate peace. You think, what? Peace is the enemy? Peace is what we've got to kill? You are against peace? But there are people like that in this world. It's in the news every day. People who hate peace, who hate peace. Well, they have a problem with peace. They have a problem with God. And because you follow Jesus, they're going to have a problem with you. They're going to crucify the Messiah. What are they going to do to you? Are they going to treat you better? Well, Jesus says, love those people who hate you. And he shows how to love. And it's not a tingly, hallmark, swoon, I'm in love with you. It's very practical. Do good to them. That's what he says. Do good to those who hate you. You know, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, 
Give them a drink. If they need clothing, give them something. Make their life better. Meet their needs. If they curse you, speak well of them. You don't F-bomb them back. And you don't say anything nasty about them behind their back. If you can't say anything good about them, don't say anything. And in fact, you pray for them. Pray that God will bless them 10,000 times more than you. Because you really want God to do that. Now, why do you love people who hate you? You ever thought about that? What is the purpose behind this? Well, it's God's purpose. Because God wants to reach people who hate him. And he wants to save them. And he wants to reach them through you so that they know it's really him. Because to see a person, a human being, loving with God's love is a miracle. Not just being nice. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I didn't mean to bump you with my elbow. I'm sorry. That's magnolia. This is, here, have some food. Here, let me give you my coat. Here. You know what? You're a sliver on the banister of life. But I want to make your life better. Why would you do that? See, because there's a God in heaven who loves you. He's letting you know. See, that's a miracle. People have lived all their lives and never seen a miracle. Here's a miracle coming right for you. Somebody loves me. And you notice that real love is generous. If they take your coat, say, oh, you forgot my shirt. Here. Do you have it there? Good. See ya. If they hit you on the cheek, then you say, okay, make it match. Make it good. Don't fight back. If they ask for something, give it to them. And if they borrow it from you, you know what you say in your mind as they walk away? I will never see it again. I forgive you already right now this second as I look at your back, recede in the distance. I forgive you. I will never see that again. Now that is crazy. Because Jesus gives a really interesting principle on how to love people. Did you notice? It's in verse 31. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Okay? You treat others the way you want them to treat you. Now, when I think about that, it's amazing how I suddenly become an expert on love. I know how I want people to treat me, right? I want people to be considerate of me. 
I want people to be aware of me and not treat me like dandruff. I want people to be aware of my needs and realize they're, they're valid needs. And I want people to be aware of the consequences of their life in my life. Like, you know, people have big elbows and don't seem to notice that that affects other people. Who leaves the toilet seat up in your family? Just no, no hands. But I mean, actions. So I want people to be aware of their actions so it doesn't spill over into my life and then make my life worse. I want people to treat me fairly, right? Like, tell me the truth every time. Tell me what's wrong or broken with this thing that you're trying to sell me. Wouldn't that be fabulous? It's a good vacuum, but I did use it to clean up this mess over here, and it kind of blew a few things, but mostly it's okay. Don't rip me off. How about be impartial? Don't favor your nephew over me for that job position. Give me a fair break. Maybe if I'm the best guy for the job, you'll pick me instead of your nephew with an IQ of minus 10. <laughs> Don't break the rules to favor you and have an unfair advantage over me. That's what I want. How about be kind to me? Like, treat me like I'm valuable. Like, if you broke me, that value would be gone forever. I would like people to treat me like I'm valuable. And forgive me when I make a mistake, because it really was a mistake. I wasn't trying to goof up. I just, I blew it, and I'm sorry. Okay, so Jesus says, this is how you treat everybody. I'm sure you guys could add some extras to the list that I missed. But I mean, isn't that how you want to be treated? So we can, okay, treat everybody like this. Now you're supposed to treat your friends like this. I know some people who treat their friends kind of badly. It's like, wait a second, we're on the same side, right? But then... This is also how you treat people who hate you, curse you, hit you, and take from you. You see, there's no difference. You treat everybody the same with the love that God shows towards you. Now, all of Jesus' disciples, that big, huge crowd, and those 12 apostles are all thinking right now. And they're thinking the very same thing that you're thinking. One, that's not easy. In fact, that's impossible. Two, that is costly. I don't know if I can afford that. I don't know if I want to afford that. And three, there's no way in the world I can do that. I can't.
can't love people who hate me. That is too big an ask. Again, not a show of hands, but you're thinking that, right? I'm not looking. Because I think that way. But even as you think those thoughts and you have that attitude, do you know what you're saying to yourself? Do you know what you're announcing to the world and to God? You're saying, I am a sinner. See, Jesus says, if you only love people who love you, so what? Sinners understand that. That's the way sinners work. So you're not doing anything different from a sinner. Now you're my disciple, you're in this crowd, you're listening to me, but evaluate yourself. You think like a sinner. And see, if you only do good to people you like, you're only as good as a sinner. Now that's a train wreck, isn't it? A contradiction. You're a good sinner. That's, that's, a, that's a oxymoron. It's like army intelligence. So what a great sinner. Sinners make a distinction between who they like and who they don't like. And the ones they like are the ones that reciprocate. See, you do good to them, they do good back to you. And it's a give and a take. And it's like, give me a breath mint. Okay? Uh, do you have five pounds till next Thursday? See, and here's it back. And you're relieved. You go, good, this is working out. And so there's a give and a take, and there's a reciprocation. That's fun. That's relationship. But then over here, here's the person who keeps bumming those breath mints off you, and you never get any breath mints back. It's just, you got a breath mint? Here. Hey, give me another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. And you think, my goodness, all I do is give this guy breath mints, and nothing ever comes back. And like, that's our relationship. I'm his, I'm his pez. All I do is dispense Pez. That's what I am in your, in your life. And that makes you feel fabulous, doesn't it? I got a clown head and I dispense Pez for you. And it makes you want to say, look, you want to treat me like this? I will treat you the way you're treating me. And I won't have anything to do with you. Because you're a taker, you're not a giver. Okay? So you evaluate people and have a relationship with them depending on are they a benefit to you or are they no benefit to you? So really, the basis of relationship this way is if you're useful to me, I will be useful to you. But if you're not useful to me, I don't want anything to do with you.
You're a drain on me. Does everybody get this? Now that's what, that's how a sinner thinks. That's self-centeredness that is concerned only with what's in it for me. Sinners are self-centered. Now, being a disciple of Jesus is supposed to be way better than that. It's supposed to be living right towards people with the life of God and the love of God. You see, God loves even sinners. Which is always a hard one for me to get my head around because I know why God would like me, because I'm naturally likable. I'm just a merry sunshine. I'm fun. But I can understand why God could hate that person because he's a pill. Hard to swallow. But see, I've just found out I'm one too. I'm one too. I am a sinner. I think like one. I act like one. I am a sinner. And God even loves me. Now see, God thinks about people. You know, it says in Psalm 40 that his thoughts toward you cannot be counted for multitude. You don't have enough numbers. How much God thinks about you. God thinks you're valuable. He really does regard you as unique and irreplaceable beyond price. If you could give God, you know, a planet like Jupiter made of solid gold in exchange for you, he would not take it. That's small change for God. You know that God is aware of his actions on you? And God is kind and generous and thoughtful. He gives people who hate him atmosphere to breathe. And he gives them light. He gives them existence. And he gives them clothes, food, a place to live. And you know, the, the really scary thing is that God's love never began. And it will never end. So see, God is exceptionally aware of you. And here's, here's the really crazy thing, is that his love toward you is impartial. That is, you are of no benefit to God. Like you're going to help God out? He, he needs you for a certain kind of work that he's got to do? It's not like he, he needs us. This also is a hard one to get around. But I've learned this over my life. I think I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to study the Bible. 
I'm going to do the best I can. And I've come to the conclusion that God does not need me. I'm not an asset to his team. (laughs) He should have fired me a long time ago and get somebody in here who really has something on the ball. That's weird to live with that. I work for a guy who does not need me. (laughs) He keeps me on. I know not why. You know why? Because he's better than me. He's kinder than I am. He is love, and I am not. I figured out one of the rules of the universe. He is love, and I am not. It struck me how powerful God's love is when I was meditating in in Psalm 95. And it says this, Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness where your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said there are people who err in their heart and they do not know my ways. Therefore I swore in my anger, truly they shall not enter into my rest." Did you catch that? 24 hours a day for seven days a week, 52 weeks a year for 40 years. God says, I loathe these people. No ambiguity there. And as far as his purposes for them, he has said, absolutely not. They shall not enter into my rest. Now, you know what God does for 40 years? He rains manna down on them every single day. And it says that their clothing didn't wear out, their sandals did not wear out for 40 years. They had water, they had everything they needed. God did not say, You're on your own. He could have killed them a lot faster, you know. Starvation works great. In a month, boom, you're dead. But God says, nah, we'll go the whole round. And he feeds them every day, rains down tons of manna on them every day, without fail, without break. Now, what it means is God did not feel warm tinglys toward Israel. But he did make their life better. Do you see that? You can love people you loathe. God has the power to do that. Now, if God were like you, and he only loved those who are a benefit to him, you wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be here. Because Adam sins, and God says, you're no benefit to me. That's the way it goes. Next. 
See, he doesn't do that. Adam is still alive. We're still alive. Why? Because not that we're a benefit. It's because God is good and he loves us. That's why we exist. So, if you love everybody, you're like God. And if you only love those who are a benefit to you, you're a sinner. Binary, absolute. Does that make sense? Now, Jesus says you have a great reward when you love like God. He says, love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. See, right now, you're going to be a loser. Nice guys finish last. This is one of the principles of this existence. And if people can smell, <laughs> this guy is easy. <laughs> they smell blood. Let's move in for the killer boys. That's it. You're gone. Well, that was easy. Give me a toothpick. But God is going to raise you from the dead and say, you know what? You were right. You're not a loser. It takes power to love and to give to people. And you did good. Now that reward is forever. It may not sound like much right now, today, in London. But when God says that in front of the entire universe, that's forever. That's a glory. You lived rightly towards God and you lived rightly towards man. That is your final vindication that will last forever. That's a reward. And you're going to be confirmed as a son of the Most High. You are born of God. It is confirmed. You are vindicated. Now, this comes from God, not men. They're not going to pat you on the back and say, wow, you're such a fabulous loser. You show no street fighting technique whatsoever. <laughs> you have no defenses. You punch like a girl. But it's when God says you're right. Your praise comes from God. Nobody can take that away from you. So think about this. There is no in-between point for a disciple of Jesus. You love absolutely like God, or else you are a sinner. So which are you? And the correct answer is B. You are a sinner. This is hard to accept. And Jesus commands you, his true disciple, to love like God. Are you kidding? Me? It's not even fair. I'm not God. How do I love like God? 
well included with being a disciple is the fact that you exchange your life when you follow Jesus. You do not add Jesus to your bag and hope that somehow it's all going to work out. You have to give up your life. Like the lawnmower that doesn't work. You know, you've bought one of those, and you put it together, and you go, and you keep pulling, and you think, this thing is dead, dead out of the box. So you take it back, and they said, oh, we're sorry, here's another one. And you put it together, and it works. Now, you don't ask for the other one back, do you? Because that one doesn't work. And it's no fun to push a dead mower and go, because that's stupid. You give up what doesn't work and receive what does work. That's what it means to be a Christian. So then you repent of being a sinner who only loves the ones who love you. Because that life died with Jesus on the cross. And you don't want to go back to that. Because now Jesus shares his new life with you. And that new life knows how to consider others. Knows how to love the unlovable. And not be worried about, well, what's going to happen to me if I do that? See, Jesus already got over that hurdle and says, I know they're going to kill me, but I'm going to do this anyway. And God will raise me from the dead. And so knowing exactly what's going to happen, he does it. So you're not on your own. You have Jesus living in you. And you love people because Jesus lives in you. Now, this is the measure of how you're doing as a Christian. Have you ever asked yourself, gee, how am I doing? Am I getting anywhere? Am I, am I a Christian or not? How would I know? And here's how you, you don't ask, how much do I know? Have I ever read the Septuagint? What do I think about? predestination. And what about infrasublapsarianism anyway? <laughs> Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. The real question is, how good are you at loving really hard to love people? How are you doing? Do you love people that you don't agree with? Do you love people that you do not like? You know, it's not how much you know. It's do you encourage others and build them up and help them to know God better? When you think in that way, then you're making progress. It's not so much, am I going to square my life together and get it all set the way I want? And then if I got any time left over, gosh, I'll give 10 minutes 
to Jesus. But you understand, I got to get my life in order and stuff. And it's like, Jesus says, are you making anybody's life better? Are you looking out for people and saying, why aren't you growing? Why don't you know God better? See, that is real progress. That's when you know you're getting somewhere. It's like you're saying, you know, I could do without this so that your life is better. And nobody forced you to. You know the bump? <clears throat> Come on. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. You thought this one up on your own. Because the Holy Spirit's leading you to say, you know what? This person needs this. This person needs that. And the problem is that you notice you still think like a sinner. Because you resent people taking advantage of you. You resent loaning something out to somebody and it doesn't come back. You resent people only thinking of themselves. See, I think this every time I drive. And I notice how people drive. And I use the dreaded B word. You bong head. So that's not good. Now I have spoken something evil about them. And I have thought evil things. So I think, gosh, I'm not getting any better. I'm getting worse. I'm a pastor. And I just called that guy a bong head. So, you know, you have to change the way you think. There is no possible way to be a Christian and not change the way you think. This is why we read the Bible. It is designed by God to change the way we think. And as we run scripture through our minds, you know, it is the living word of God that changes the way we think. To be ignorant of your Bible and to think you're a Christian is not good. Do not be ignorant of what the Bible says. Only the Bible can transform the way you think. And you know, the Holy Spirit is actually going to show you your selfishness increasingly. And you might get this impression, gosh, I'm getting worse and worse. I'm not getting better and better. But see, he's just showing you what you're really like. So what do you do with that? You confess it as sin. You go, that was wrong. I know that I snapped there. And I'm sorry. And then you make it right with that person. You, you do the right thing. You say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And you keep doing that as often as you have to do it. You be sensitive to the Holy Spirit showing you, no, that was not on. That was not right. And then you, you live this lifestyle of repenting and saying, ah, I'm wrong there. I'm wrong there. I'm wrong there. I'm wrong there. You know what that does? It humbles you and it forces you to go to Jesus and say, please cleanse me. And as he cleanses you, he gives you what you did not have.
which is love for that other person. And this is the big secret to loving, is to go to the cross, say, I was wrong, and let Jesus make you right. This is how life works. Now, it should be no surprise to find out you still think like a sinner. Shouldn't be a shock. <gasps> Me? I'm nice. I am magnolia. I'm bland. I'm chill. No, you're not. You're a sinner. As long as you're in the body, you're going to find yourself going to Jesus and repenting over and over and over and over again. We say, well, okay, then that means I'm a sinner. No, you're a disciple of Jesus. You know what the difference is? A sinner never admits they're wrong. A sinner never repents. So if you never repent, boy, I'm worried for you. You're not even on the game board. You're supposed to come to Jesus and say, I'm a sinner. That's not supposed to be a shock nowadays. You should be easy to convince and reasonable. Yeah, you're right. I was wrong. I'm so sorry. That should be just like that. But if you're hard to convince, I tremble for you. I tremble for you. Is not God working in you? Isn't he telling you, you need to admit the truth here? If you're a sinner who repents, you're on solid ground. God saves people like you. But you know, if you're a disciple of Jesus and you don't love everybody absolutely, it calls into question, do you know him? And it doesn't matter how much theology you know or who you know. This is the big thing. You know, I know pastors and missionaries who find it convenient to hate people. And they do it publicly. And they are broadcasting to the universe, I don't know Jesus. It's the most embarrassing thing you could ever watch. Because what they're saying is, is I find it convenient to hate this person. This person is of no benefit to me, but these people are a benefit to me. They're my buds. What are you doing different than a sinner? It's that crucial. If you're going to follow Jesus, you don't have a choice in this. You do not have to have warm fuzzies toward anybody. You don't have to like me. But you do have to love me. That's the ultimatum this morning, folks. Tread carefully. <laughs> Big decision. I, I don't know if I want to do this. Well, 
Join a nice religion where you don't have to love everybody, and then you can blow up the world, okay? Like they're doing right now. So, don't justify hating anybody. You can't. Not and follow Jesus. Have Jesus in you. And exchange your life for his. And then love everybody. Because it's him loving everybody through you. Let's pray. We are thankful, Heavenly Father, that you do love us even though we are no benefit to you. Because you know how to do everything better. And we praise you that you find us valuable. so valuable that you would give Jesus to die in our place and to take the wrath and punishment that we deserve? We do not think like this. Only you do. And we marvel. And we repent because I know I don't think like this. And I need you. And I can't live right without you. And I'm so glad for the blood of Jesus washing and cleansing and taking away my sin. And anything you want to do with me is okay. If you want me to love people who don't know which end is up, I will do that. If you want to do a spiritual thing and touch other people's lives and make them know that you're there and that you love them and that you want to change their lives forever, I want that. Do that in each one of us. Be glorified in our lives. Help us to love everybody. In Jesus' name, amen.